I just realized one uh, piece of, of the announcement that I forgot to make earlier as we were talking about getting ready for our open air Sundays and next week being our first one uh, worshiping outside at 11 o'clock. Uh, what we're going to need for that is helpers uh, to be able to help set up and then tear down the different um, AV components and tents and tables and things. Uh, so if you're interested in coming 10 o'clock uh, early to worship, helping with, with some of the some of those details, getting things set up. Uh, I'd love your help. We'd love your help. Uh, so you can you can talk to me after the service. You can talk to Ross, and uh, we'll we'll get a, a crew together uh, for each time. But for this time, just hey, if you're going to be able to be here next week at ten o'clock. We'd love to have your help, and that would be that would be wonderful. Get things set up for us. But we are going right to God's word now. Uh, you'll find. Uh, the passage printed out in your in your bulletin over on page three, uh, both the sermon text itself and then the sermon outline. Uh, we're returning this week to the book of Ephesians. We're now in the second half of Paul's letter where he talks almost exclusively about the Christian life and what it looks like to follow the Lord and walk in his ways. Uh, we've seen at each point how he ties it to what he talked about in the first half. That we're, uh, the first half, which was all about what God has done for us in the gospel, that we're not in walking the Christian life, uh, graduating to something different, but now we're living in light of the good news, uh, fueled by what Christ has done for us. And that's the same uh, we'll find this week as well. We saw for a couple weeks that the first thing that Paul gets at, the, one of the big applications on his mind in the Christian life was the church of Christ. He goes there first. That we're to live uh, because of the gospel as, as one people, uh, loving and preserving the unity and patience and, and love, bearing with one another. And that we're to be a body that is, uh, that is working, each with our different gifts, to build the body up. Now he transitions in chapter 4 to talking more about uh, personal holiness. What does it look like to live uh, a life of righteousness and uprightness uh, as believers in the Lord? So let's read. 17 through 24 of Ephesians 4 uh, together. This is God's word. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Let's pray together. Father, use your word uh, that your people, uh, created in your very likeness, might shine forth your glory. Uh, Lord, in this day, uh, we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So picture yourself, Saturday afternoon, a really, really hot Saturday afternoon, like yesterday, like today, bright, sunny, hot, 
probably one of the worst times to be out in the yard doing, doing yard work, but it's the only day you have to do it. So there you are, for hours, catching up on the, on the lawn and in the garden. You're pulling weeds and, and spreading mulch. You're, you're whacking weeds, and you're, and you're arranging uh, the, the, the garden details. And you're there for hours and hours in the sun. Finally, you're done. Well, you don't look so great. Hot, smelly, sweaty, dirty. Right, the shower never ever looked so good. Uh, so there you are, uh, clean, out of the shower now, water turns off, but now you have a decision to make. Now the decision is, what clothes are you going to put on? Shower done, water off, what are you gonna put on? Will you go over to those dirty clothes that you just took off? The ones that are stained and smelly and on the bathroom floor and put those back on? Right. Of course, you, you wouldn't even dream of doing that. Uh, even the thought of it now probably repulses you. Maybe, maybe you could imagine a five-year-old doing that? Maybe, maybe, you've, maybe you've had a five-year-old in your own home who tried to do something like that? Uh, you know, get out, of the, get out of the bath and put the, put the dirty clothes back on? Uh, but not you, because somewhere along the line, somewhere between five and the age you are now, you developed the habit of putting on clean clothes. Actually, not just the habit, uh, you developed the great love, the great passion for having been cleaned to put on clean clothes. You not only developed the habit to doing it, you love to do it. That is the Christian life. That's it. Okay, no analogy is perfect, but can you see, can you see the picture? It, Paul in Ephesians here uses that language of, of putting off and putting on, just like you would put off clothes and, and put on clothes. And the, the details of it are, are very, very similar. Uh, there's, a, there's, there's sweaty, stinky clothes to be taken off and clean clothes to be put on. And, and what Paul does in Ephesians 4, much like we did in our little quick story about the hot Sunday afternoon or Saturday afternoon, is Paul takes us to, to look and think about uh, the old stinky clothes for a while and then turns and transitions to examine the clean clothes. Uh, the, the, the goal there is to look at both of them, to look at them, to smell them, uh, it seems as if Paul knows us pretty well. That Paul knows that we are tempted a lot of the time to act like spiritual five-year-olds. That we're tempted to put on the dirty clothes, having been made clean, like a five-year-old might. And it seems like Paul knows that, and in writing to Christians back in Ephesus and Christians here today like us, he takes us uh, to, to, to look at both the dirty clothes and then the clean clothes uh, so that we might mature spiritually, so that we might develop the habit of putting on clean clothes, but not just the habit, uh, the love for it, uh, the, the delight. Oh, yeah, I want nothing to do with that stuff again. I love those clean clothes. And that's what Paul does, both in looking at the old 
and in, in painting a picture of the new. So that's what we'll do together. Uh, we'll, we'll first take a, take, a, take a sniff of the old clothes and try to remind ourselves that, yeah, no, don't want anything to do with that. And then watch uh, Paul paint a picture of, of the new and, Lord willing, get excited about that life that Paul, uh, that God himself has called us to and brought us into in Christ. So let's start off with the first part. Call it smelling uh, the dirty clothes. So uh, these are painting this picture of the old life, uh, key, quick sights and smells of what, of what that is like. We'll highlight kind of three characteristics that Paul, Paul describes here. The first one is the totality. Uh, the totality. In other words, noticing as Paul describes the old life, he describes it compre- in a comprehensive way. The, the, the smell, the, this dirt, is, it's comprehensive. Okay, so look at uh, verse 17, for example. Now I say this and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. You get what he's doing as the Gentiles do. It's, it's thinking about the, the unbelieving Gentiles, that we might say the world, the unbelieving world. I mean, Paul's writing to Gentiles, but, but they're Gentile Christians now. And so he's using that language of the Gentiles as, as a picture of this is life apart from, apart from the Lord. But how does he describe it? He describes it as you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. He's, he's thinking about an entire walk of life, uh, an entire movement through the world, an entire lifestyle. You get that same picture in verse 22. Uh, here, here's that, that closed language. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life. Right? Put off. What are we to put off? He says, put off your old self. Even more literally, put off your old man. Your old man. It's actually not gender specific, so uh, so ladies, you could rightly say, put off your old woman. Um, but you get how comprehensive that is? It's not just like a little slice of who you are, put off the old man. Uh, he says that belongs to your former manner of life. Right? Not just small, isolated little portions. Old man. Old walk, old self, old manner of life. You know what is really the, the number one reaction that I get when people learn that I'm a pastor? I think this is number one. Uh, more often than not, out in the general public, somehow it comes up in conversation, what I do. The number one reaction that people, uh, people give is they start apologizing for cursing. Never quite sure what to do with that. You know, do you, do you say thank you? Do you say don't apologize to me? Like, you know, that. anyway, but that's the number one reaction. They start apologizing for, for cursing in my presence. But I think one of the things it gets to uh, is a pattern of thinking, both, both in the unbelieving world, but also within the church. This idea that, that what it what it really looks like to live the Christian life, to walk the Christian walk, is about staying away from a few very isolated things. A few tiny little slices of life. Don't curse. Don't get drunk. 
Don't sleep around. That's pretty much it. That's, that's the Christian belief. And then we tend to, to think in those kinds of categories. Okay, just a little tweak here, a little, little fix there, a little straighten that out over there, and, and that's what it means uh, to, to follow the Lord. That's what it means to live a life of righteousness and, and holiness. And I think we should be challenged how Paul describes it here. And he, he doesn't give this picture of kind of little isolated slices of life. As he talks about the old life, he says it was the old walk, the old man, the old manner of life. In other words, all of life was headed in the wrong direction. Not just one little thing you need to, oops, you know, apologize for. No, it was the whole thing. It's the whole direction. Um, which leads us to our, our next point. That the, so the smelliness of the clothes of the old life to be taken off is, has a totality to it, um, but it also has a depth. So you could say it was, it was broad, the, the, the smell was broad and deep, and deep. Uh, right? it, go back to verse 17, but now all the way into verse 18, and notice the depth of the problem. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. That the problem of the old man goes deep. Paul uses the language of futility of mind, darkened understanding. So it's, it's not just outward behavior, uh, things that, that you do on the outside. That's part of it. But Paul takes it much, much deeper within, all the way to, well, including our, our thinking and understanding. He says our, our understanding is darkened, uh, that there's, there's a futility of, of mind, uh, futility. That's, that's the language, uh, the word in Paul's Bible uh, that would be used to read through Ecclesiastes. Remember that Old Testament book, Ecclesiastes, where Solomon's talking about life in this fallen, broken world, and he looks at life in all its fallenness and just says, this is a mess, vanity of vanities. Or in Paul's Bible, futility, futility of futility. Right? That there's this, this just frustrating brokenness to life in this fallen world. And now here Paul says, yeah, and here's the trick with that futility. It's not just out there, it's in here. The, the futility of our thinking, apart from, apart from the Lord stepping in and do the, doing this radical recreating work, we'll talk about that, that's, that's where we are. Uh, the, the, the problem, the, the bad smell is not just, oh, we do a few wrong actions, uh, or a pattern of outward behavior that goes down deep to the very core, even our own thinking and reasoning. Which, by the way, is why when we start talking about specifics of, well, what, what is the good life? What is uh, uprightness? What is good and helpful and valuable and, and holy? We can't be guided by what we feel or what we think. Um, we're tempted to, right? That seems good. That, that feels good. That seems natural. That's not going to be a good guide for us, right? Because if, if part of the problem 
is, is not just the behavior, but it's the actual thinking and feeling. If we're, if we're, if we're used thinking and feeling as our guide, we're going to be, we're going to be guided the wrong way. Of course, that's why we need the Lord to break in from outside and use his word to, uh, to, to speak and guide and, and change the thinking and feeling. We'll get to that too. Um, but it goes, it, it's broad, it's deep. And, and the other characteristic that Paul highlights is it's the trajectory of the old life, where it, where it goes, where it heads. And he wants us to see it doesn't head in a good direction at all. So this is verse 19. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Part of the, the problem with the old life, part of the darkness with the old, of the old life, is that it doesn't stay put. It keeps getting darker and darker and darker. Um, Paul uses the language of, they have become callous. And so maybe, maybe you think a, a callous on your, on your hand. There's, a, there's a, part of your, a part of your finger that you keep banging against something again and again and again, or rubbing against something again and again, and you develop a callus. Uh, and what, what does that mean? Well, it means it, it doesn't have sensitivity anymore the way it used to. Right? You, can, you can keep banging it, but now you don't feel it because it's hardened over, which might initially seem okay, but you know if you lose sensitivity in a part of your body, it's actually dangerous. Because you could be doing damage to it, and you don't even feel it anymore. You don't know to pull your hand back, because you don't feel it. You're, you've lost sensitivity. You don't know to get medical attention, because you don't feel it. And Paul says, that's what happens spiritually, over time, uh, in the old life. We, we, we lose sensitivity, apart from God's rescue. We lose sensitivity. And that's a, that's a dangerous thing, a, a, a developing a callus in your soul. And so the, the particular sin that maybe initially you were kind of wary of, ah, but then you try it, and all of a sudden, eh, it wasn't so bad. Oh, but maybe you still feel guilty about it, and so if you, you go back to it, you, you'll feel guilty for a little bit. Uh, but then after a while, you stop feeling guilty. And the, the, the guilt feelings aren't there anymore. And, and then you actually you come up with a whole reason why I really wasn't so bad after all. And before long, you're not even embarrassed that anybody knows that you're involved in this. And then oh, you actually wonder, why could anybody ever think this was wrong? Uh, right? You've lost sensitivity. It's, it's a callus being built up in, in the heart. A loss of sensitivity. Paul pairs that with, um, you see it there in the verse, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality. So Paul describes this life outside of Christ. It's not just that you engage in sin, but you give yourself over to sin. Right? You, you, you just give yourself up to its, its mastery, its rule over you. That, that's where it goes. It's not just that you do it, you give yourself up to it. Um, and Paul goes on to say that fallen humanity is greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Uh, that that there's, a, there's a greediness to it. Uh, in other words, there is an insatiable desire for more and more and more, right? Like, the, uh, like the, the robber baron who said, you know, how much money is enough? Just a little more. Uh, that's what we think, uh, apart from Christ, 
That's what all of life becomes. How much sin is enough? Just a little bit more. Uh, and notice how Paul puts it as, uh, as a greed to practice every kind of impurity. Uh, we want to be careful and not just think this applies to two or three areas of life and that's it. Uh, and maybe you don't happen to struggle with that, so yeah, you're no problem there. Uh, so yes, this certainly would apply to things like drunkenness or sexual immorality, and no doubt Paul has that in his mind, as he'll go on to, to talk about in Ephesians specifically. But he's also going to talk about other areas of life, where you have this same darkness uh, he's going to challenge us on, this same, this same temptation towards callousness and giving ourselves over. He's going to talk about things like destructive lies and uncontrollable anger and theft and words that tear people apart and tear people down and a bitter, unforgiving spirit. Uh, he's going to talk about that in the same category of, of the dark uh, life, of this life of greedy to, to practice more and more. So whatever particular whatever particular type of impurity you're tempted towards. And we should be thinking, okay, what, what is this look like for me? What, what am I tempted? What aspect of the old life am I tempted to go back to? It might be different than the person in front of you or, or behind you. You let them take care of them and you think about you. Uh, I'll do the same, uh, Lord willing. But you, you see the trajectory. Actually, you put all of it together and you form the, you form the full picture and, and see the, the, the old life, the dirty clothes. Uh, it's not just a few isolated things, the, the totality of it. You see the, the depth of it. It goes down to uh, the very depth of our thinking and understanding and feeling. Uh, it, it involves a trajectory that gets worse and worse and worse. And we remind ourselves what Paul is doing here. Uh, that he's, he's, he's speaking to Christians, uh, not so that we can feel better about ourselves versus those nasty people out there. Um, it is certainly true that you take these, these ideas, it does help explain and help you understand what goes on in the culture around us, in the unbelieving world around us, what has really always happened in the unbelieving world. It's, nothing's changed since Paul's day. Uh, but it does explain a lot out there. Uh, but the point is not uh, talk about them out there so we feel a little better about ourselves in here. In fact, if we're, if we're getting to the point where we're feeling better about ourselves, then we've actually completely missed the point. Uh, because what Paul is saying in writing to believers is, in urging them to take off the old and put on the new, he knows that we're tempted to go back to this, these very things. We're tempted to pick up those old clothes and put them back on. And so what he's doing is showing us just how ugly it is so that we might find it less and less desirable, more and more distasteful, and more and more longing for something better. Uh, developing a love, for, a love for putting on clean clothes, which is the second half of our passage. Uh, we'll, we'll again break it down into, into three quick points. Uh, the first point, which kind of gives us the transition to the new life, uh, probably the most critical that we understand, which is the encounter that is presumed. Uh, in terms of putting on the old life, notice how Paul talks about this transition from old to new. 
Uh, so we'll read 21 and 22, 20 and 21. <clears throat> After talking about the old self, the, the walk of the Gentiles, he says, But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. So Paul talks about this transition from old to new, but what is it that marks the transition and makes the transition? Well, according to Paul, it's an encounter with a person, the person of Jesus Christ. Did you notice the, the language that he uses? So in that, in that first uh, phrase in verse 20, that is not the way you learned Christ. He doesn't say that's not the way you learned about Christ. He says that's the way you learned Christ. It's much per more personal. This encounter, the way you learned Christ. Actually, it's the exact same thing in the next phrase, although in the next phrase, <clears throat> the ESV snuck in the about word, but it actually is not there uh, in, in the Greek. So you go to that, that next phrase, uh, <clears throat> assuming that you have heard. It's actually not heard about Christ. It's assuming you have heard Christ. So what he's talking about here, you see that the personal nature of it? What, what marks the transition? What, what brings it about from old to new? It's you hear Christ. You learn Christ. Uh, you, you encounter the truth that is in him. You're taught in him. Uh, which ties us back into something that Paul has been talking about from the beginning of Ephesians and throughout his, his writings. Uh, that, that what God does is he, he doesn't just um, help us to, to live a new life. He connects us to Jesus. And this is what, what salvation is all about for, uh, for, for Paul, for, for the entire Bible. This is what it means to become a Christian. Uh, you, you have this encounter with Christ. Uh, you were in the old life completely, totally, in one form or another. Uh, you were in the old life, and Christ steps in. Uh, Christ steps in. He, you, you hear Christ through his word and through his spirit. You hear Christ. Uh, you're, you're taught Christ. Uh, you're, you, you hear him. You learn him. Because he steps in. His word goes to your heart. God even gives you a heart to, to understand and, and a heart to believe. And, and through faith, you're, you're connected to Jesus. You become in Christ. And that's how the, that's how the new life uh, takes place. Because you're connected to Jesus, and therefore you're connected to his newness of life. The one who died for your sin and rose up to newness of life, well, now you're connected to it because you've had this encounter with Christ. He stepped into your life. So connected to him, he's alive and you're alive in him. Uh, there's, the, there's the transition. Uh, now you're a new creation. Uh, now the old has gone. Now the new has come. Forgiven, clean in Christ. Uh, the, the, the analogy is this, is, this is the shower in our Saturday afternoon picture. How is it that you're made clean? Jesus. Jesus. You, you, Christ steps into your life and you're made new in him. And so when we talk about living the Christian life, uh, it's very important that we realize that you strive to live a new life because you already have a new life. If you're a believer, that, that, that's what we're talking about. You strive to live a new life because you already have in Christ a new life. 
which is a very, very different thing from striving to live a new life in order to get life. Very different. Or maybe, maybe it's even clearer if you go back to our, our, uh, our clean clothes picture. You put on clean clothes because you're already clean. Put on clean clothes because you're already clean, which is very, very different than putting on clean clothes in order to get clean. Well, run with that for a minute. Uh, you come in from outside, hot, sweaty, dirty, and you think to yourself, I know how I'm going to fix this problem. I'm just going to slip off this old shirt and grab a new one from the dresser, put that one on, right? Clean clothes in order to get clean. Does it work? No. You still stink. Now, now it's just stink dressed up a little bit. But yet spiritually, this is what we're tempted sometimes to believe, and people are tempted to believe. This is this is the self-help gospel. I'm gonna I'm gonna get clean by by making myself clean by just slapping some new clothes on the outside. Uh, maybe we even try it in in religious terms. Well, I'm, I'm gonna get clean. I'm gonna go to church. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a little Bible. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a good person. This is this is the Pharisees of Jesus' day. Right? They kept all the rules, uh, did, did all the holy things. But you remember how Jesus described them, concluded who they were, that they were whitewashed tombs. Nice and pretty on the outside, but there's still death on the inside. Right? Or to use our analogy, they were, they were stinky bodies in clean shirts. And Jesus has harsher words for them than he does for the licentious sinners who turn in faith. And, and so it's important that we get this, this encounter uh, correct, because here's really the foundation. Uh, it, it's, it's we need Jesus. That's the way uh, we get new life, and we become clean, a new creation in him. Don't try to clean yourself up apart from Jesus. Not only will it not work, uh, it also does not please God in any shape or form. So what, what do we do? Well, we run to Jesus. And we cling to him. We run to him at the very beginning of the Christian life. So maybe for some of you, that's the, the place where you start, or confessing your need of cleanliness, of, of forgiveness and new life by trusting in Christ and his work. Uh, maybe for you the first time. But for all of us, it's what we do every single day. Run to Jesus and cling to him. There's our hope. There's the one who gives life and who makes us clean. So then... Then the, the walk, the, the putting on of clean clothes is, I put on clean clothes because I'm already clean. That's how it makes sense. That's how it works. That's how it pleases the Lord. So quickly, we'll talk about the other two points here, uh, these quick pictures of, or aspects of the putting on the clean that, that Paul mentions in these final verses. He's going to go on in the rest of chapter 4 and into chapter 5 to give us a series of concrete examples of what this looks like. Put off, put on in terms of our mouths. Put off, put on in terms of our work. Put off, put on in terms of, in terms of our sexuality. He's going to apply it to different ones. Uh, but here you kind of get the, the major themes. So uh, too quickly, we'll talk about the mind renewal to be cultivated and the image that's restored. So mind renew, renewal cultivated. This is 22 and 23, right? Old life, but, but you, you learn Christ, uh, you're, you're taught Christ, Christ steps into your life, 
And then what does, what does that flow into? To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. So here Paul returns to that idea of, well, the old life was marked by this, this corruption and darkness that went all the way down to the inside of us, all the way down to the reasoning and the feeling of us. It was darkened. And so sure enough, part of what, what gets restored is restored on the inside. And therefore, what is to be cultivated is a cultivation of the renewing of our minds. Or to use Paul's language in, in Romans 12, we are transformed, be transformed, by the renewing of your minds. That our outward behavior is going to be fueled by, by what gets God does on the inside. And so we cultivate it. Be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Uh, this is why, uh, as believers in Christ, we get together and, and we study the scriptures together. This is why it's, it's good, important, that, that you, during the week, be in your Bible, as individuals, as families. Uh, why? Why so all, that, all that studying? Is that just because we're, we're heady? Uh, no, it's because this is how God works new life. We're transformed by the renewing of our minds. And we're, we're taught by God uh, what, is, what is good and what is beautiful and what gives life and what brings joy. And, and we, we're, we're not only taught by him, uh, we're renewed in, in our minds and then, it, and then it just flows out as we meditate on, on these things, what he's done and what is good and beautiful. We're transformed by the renewing of our minds. And then finally notice verse 24, the image restored. To put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Does any of that sound familiar? Like you've heard that before in the Bible. Created after the likeness of God. That sound familiar? You might have heard that before? Like if you went all the way back to the beginning of your Bible, God creating the world, God turning to create the, the, uh, the ultimate, the pinnacle of his creation, uh, mankind create the first man, the first woman, and how does he describe it? Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Here's what's beautiful and glorious about humanity. Uh, created in the image of God, after the likeness of God. And so that we're created to, to mirror God, to reflect his greatness and his glory. And part of that, that glory that we were created to reflect is the righteousness and holiness of God. And Adam and Eve are, are created with that righteousness and holiness. And so in their very being, they, they reflect and in their behavior. They reflect the greatness of God as they, as they live in righteousness and holiness. They're after the likeness of God. The problem, of course, is they didn't stay righteous and holy. Right? They, they fell. They sinned. They rebelled against God. And all of humanity goes in that direction. And so this is the part of the image of God that is lost. Uh, right? Not all of it is lost. Uh, but, but this moral aspect, this righteousness and holiness, as we fall into sin, uh, it's lost, this original righteousness. 
And so mankind, fallen in sin, no longer is able to do what we were created to do, which is reflect the greatness and glory of God in righteousness and holiness. It's lost. But Paul says, in comes Jesus. In comes God's salvation. And through Christ, now there is a recreation. And now he says uh, that we are able to get back what was lost. Uh, That now, in Christ, we put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. That that very thing that was lost, that very thing that we were created for, uh, but then, then fell away, being able to reflect the glory of God in righteousness and holiness, that, Paul says, that's now what you were recreated to do, Christian, uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we can get excited about doing. Uh, this image restored. Uh, what, we were, what we were made for and now we're recreated for. Uh, a little while back, Maggie and I were, were working our way through this reality TV show it was all about different families and individuals who lived out in the Arctic of Alaska, completely off the grid, uh, surviving in the wild. And, and several of these individuals had their own sled dogs, uh, which you can imagine makes sense in the, in the tundra. You get around transportation and even, even hauling materials, wood and so forth, you, these teams of Siberian huskies. And you watch how how these dogs are able to go, and sometimes going on these journeys that are like 50, 100, 125 miles a day, uh, these these teams running these these routes, and you watch them go and realize how long they're going, and and I was just kind of exhausted by it. You know, even to the point where you start wondering, like, is is this kind of cruel for these dogs? Like, that's a long way, that's a long time to run and pull, Uh, But it's interesting because every one of the dog owners then explains and answers that and and says, it's not cruel at all. Why? They love it. They love it. The the sled comes out, the harnesses come out, and they leap for joy. And you actually get to see it. They flip out in excitement uh, because they love to run. They love to pull. It was what they were made for. And it excites them. It's what they're made for. What were we made for? Oh yeah, it was lost. But now in Christ, Paul says we've been recreated for it. The, 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 the new life of, of righteousness and holiness, it's what we're made for. Uh, it's, it's this life of reflecting God's glory. And yeah, it's true. There, it could be that some on the outside might look and say, well, that just seems exhausting. That even seems cruel, they might say. Uh, Well, we could maybe even expect that. Because apart from new life in Christ, it it doesn't make sense. Uh, but, But recreated in Christ, it makes sense. Because now we're made for it. Now, it, it, it's, it's, not, it's not cruel. Uh, through the Spirit, we're given strength to do it. It's what we were made for. It's what we were recreated for. This life of righteousness and holiness. So it's not just developing this, 
this habit of putting on clean clothes. Uh, it's developing this, this love for it. Right? That's what Paul's doing. And that's why he takes the time to, to go back to the old. It's so we can, oh, no, I don't want any part of that anymore. Uh, but here's this, here's this new life. That's, that's something to get excited about. So, well, we do need to think of it personally. What, what does it look like for you personally? Is there a, a particular aspect of life where, well, God's kind of putting his finger on it? Uh, it's, a, it's an aspect of life that maybe you're tempted to go back to the old clothes. There's a part of it that seems, that seems attractive. There's a pull. Paul seems to acknowledge that's a temptation all Christians will face. Uh, how do we fight it? Uh, well, part of it is we, we look at the dirty clothes and we say, yeah, that, that's awful. Right? Transformed by the renewing of our minds. Part of the transformation is seeing how awful the old really is. I, 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 I don't want something that's going to make me calloused and, and, and have me giving myself over uh, to sin that, that corrupts and, and distorts even, even my mind and heart. You can say that about that part that you're tempted to go back to. And then you can say, well, okay, so what does it look like? I know what I'm to put off. That's usually the easy part, uh, you know, what we were to say no to. Usually it's a little harder to, what do we put on? What are we, what are we saying yes to? What is, the, what is the new life of righteousness and holiness look like? Can you get as specific about that? Now here in this, this area of life, now where God's kind of nudging me on, can I see, here's what, what I'm to put on. Here's what it looks like. And, and maybe it's not immediately obvious. This is where it can be helpful to, to have brothers and sisters in your life, uh, we, can, we can benefit from one another, talking to one another. Hey, here's, what, here's where God is challenging me on. What do you think it looks like for me to, to put on the clean clothes? Right? Yeah, we really can admit to one another that, that we struggle with this stuff. Uh, because we all know that if someone says they don't struggle or gives the appearance that they don't struggle, they're lying to you. Uh, so we can just throw that aside. We can actually admit we're, we're all working on this. God is working on us. And so we can come together and say, hey, how can we pray for one another? And what does it look like for, for you, for me, this area of life, that area of life, to, to put on the clean clothes and get excited about it? Because of Christ. Because of what he's done. Uh, because of the transformation that, that he has made. And then the excitement that we get to have is, yeah, this is what I was made for. Uh, and we can be joyful, even as we, even as we follow the Lord in this path of, of what is good and what is righteous. So let's pray together. Father, we do pray that you would encourage and strengthen us. Lord, that this, this road that you've called us to walk, uh, Lord, this, this manner of life that's, that's very different, we're thankful, Lord, that, uh, that we have the, the gift of salvation in Christ and the gift of the Spirit uh, to empower us each step of the way. We pray that you would strengthen each one as individuals and as a body, as brothers and sisters together. Help us to, to spur one another on. We do ask it in Jesus' name.